Today's conversation is with my friend, uh, Danny Feldman, uh, co-founder and CEO of Fresh. The word that I keep coming back to is uplifting. I have this conviction based on my lived experience that uplifting people or the planet doesn't have to be draining. It can actually feel uplifting to the person who's making that impact. So welcome to another episode of Uplifting Conversations. I'm your host, uh, Tucson Bailey, founder and CEO of Uplifting Capital. Today's conversation is with my friend, uh, Danny Feldman, uh, co-founder and CEO of Fresh. Welcome, Danny. Hey, thank you so much for having me. It's a real pleasure to be here. So so uh, Danny is... You know, Sometimes you just know like in, in life and I don't even know and you know about different things. You may know about, you know, a person who you're in relationship with. You may know about a job when people meet Danny, uh, myself included. I feel like you just know uh, that that Danny uh, is the real deal across so many different fronts. Uh, I have been really honored to get to know you and and get to know fresh uh, and and advise fresh uh i think we met it's it's months ago now although it feels like it could be uh years ago we spent a ton of time together you've come and supported that at our our one of our impact dinners for uplifting capital um and i am just blown away by uh, the mission of fresh uh how connected you are to that mission um i, I love um, to start, I know. So, so in addition to being founder, uh, CEO of very mission-led uh, company, you are uh, uh, you know uh, multiple uh, uh, ex exit now uh, founder entrepreneur. Um, but why don't you share uh, upfront what Fresh is uh, and what the change that you're hoping to make is? Sure. Yeah. Well, one, thank you so much for the kind words. The feeling is mutual. And obviously what you do at Uplifting Capital and, you know, bringing people together in the impact space has just made such a difference. And we've been able to get some great work done. So first and foremost, thank you. Um, you know, what we do at Fresh is we support the justice impacted community through financial inclusion by providing banking solutions built for and by the community. And, you know, oftentimes our community struggles with valid forms of ID, little to no upfront capital, maybe it's accumulated debt, inactive accounts at other large institutions, and the many other barriers that exist for those that have misdemeanor and specifically felony background convictions. Um, and, and so largely this population remains unbanked or heavily reliant on predatory lenders and check cashing facilities. So you know, at Fresh, we solved this by eliminating all of those barriers to entry for the formerly incarcerated, and we give access back to the community. You know, we hear you, we see you, we got you. And one of the main determining factors for returning citizens re-entering society successfully is whether or not they can establish financial stability. And so we really look at re-entry and reintegration holistically and, you know, the average unbanked person today spends about $800 a year at these predatory lending check cashing facilities. And, you know, 87% of returning citizens have never even tried to set up a, a bank account. 
And so for us, it became really clear when we looked at intake forms across the United States, um, you know, from re-entry centers to workforce development centers that were asking all sorts of questions and helping people with employment, but nobody was asking, where's the money going? And inevitably it was going into, you know, these predatory lenders' pockets. So enter fresh. And, you know, today, justice impacted community can have economic mobility, stability, and start to really think about prosperous futures for themselves and their families. Um, and yeah. so for us, you know, it's a, it's a really strong mission. Yeah. Yeah. And you're, and, and I know you're really uh, close to the mission and we'll, we'll get into to that a little bit, but one of the things that, that struck me actually that you just said recently uh, was about how uh, when there, there's, there's different people who are trying to solve for this problem. And sometimes it it's folks who aren't, um, necessarily all that close and in touch with the problem. And so you talk about things like financial literacy or financial inclusion, and, and people might start at this level of, you know, financial planning or, or here's how you should be investing, uh, not recognizing just how scarce uh, in, in among uh, the justice impacted population that even having a bank account um, might be. Um, and so, I think that that to me dovetails into uh, the 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 story that really pulled me uh, toward you and toward the company, which is how you got here. Um, and so I have this refrain about not skipping over the hard stuff, so I will give it to you. I, like where uh, can you share where you came into this company, this work? from and, and how that aligns with kind of your your personal experience. Yeah. So, you know, I um so you know my journey to the criminal justice system, I would say, took longer than most that I find in the space who immediately, you know, are drawn to it from an early age. Um, you know, mine came about a little bit longer, but when I was, you know, I'm from Dallas, I went to private schools here and as great of an environment as you know, it was um, at those facilities was as challenging as it was for me at home. And so, you know, when I was 17, I lost my mom to drugs and alcohol, and I wasn't really sure as a young man how to react. And so what I did is I acted out and I managed to get myself into some trouble where I stole some credit cards and, I, and IDs. And when I was a senior in high school, I ended up taking a felony conviction on my record. And, you know, obviously, as you're well aware, um, when you have a felony conviction in this country, it's, it's truly a life sentence. Uh, you know, the stigma associated with convicted felons, um, you know, run deep. And it is really something that never goes away. And so effectively at, you know, the, the time when it's supposed to be the brightest in my life, all of my economic access had essentially dried up. I had, you know, college scholarships that I wasn't able to take advantage of because I wasn't able to leave the state and my probation wouldn't transfer. Um, you know, the, the, the time that I spent incarcerated was due to a technical violation while on probation, which is, you know, the connection, obviously, with reform and the work that they do. Um, and so I, I really lived that experience at a very early age. Now, I was very fortunate, right? Um, you know, although I couldn't get access to credit, banking, housing, uh, you know, the, 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 the um, job market was, you know, obviously closed to me. And there remains today 44,000 barriers to 
convicted felons, even those who never served time uh, incarcerated, uh, from meaningfully participating in the economy. So, you yeah, know, shout out to uh, Alliance for Safety and Justice yeah. and, and Time Done and Jay Jordan and, and Lenore and the work that they're doing. Absolutely. They, they, they definitely highlight that. Yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, I was living that experience that, you know, they're they're working so hard to advocate for. And certainly many of them have lived themselves. And so, you know, for, for me, um, I was very fortunate. Uh, I worked with a company called Cutco. And I had a great group of mentors in my life who gave me a second chance and said, we know you're going through a tough time, but we are going to be there for you. Truly uplifting, right? I mean, when we talk about uplifting, like they they were the ones who really put their arm around me and said, we're going to teach you how to do the one thing that's probably available to you, which is to be an entrepreneur, which is many what many of us, you know, with felony convictions do. Um, and so they gave me some startup capital to start my first business, uh, grew it in my 20s. It was wonderful, ended up uh, as an executive of that company and, you know, having a wonderful life, uh, although I still always faced the normal administrative barriers that existed, right? Challenges getting banking relationships or small business lending, uh, office spaces, access to credit, right? Lending, um, you know, all of these things kept creeping up in my life, but I found a way to navigate it, um, you know, and and when I turned 30, I left and exited from that company and started my second company called Stellar, formerly IFM Restoration. And it's a tech platform that connected contractors across the U.S. Uh, with that are in the construction space with large companies that have a lot of work to give. And, you know, throughout that journey, once we reached, you know, the $50 million mark and, you know, 75 to 100 internal employees, and it was time to raise professional, you know, VC money. Um, one of the shocking things that I was not prepared for is our very first term sheet that we ever received was, you know, for a $20 million equity investment into the business. And one of the deal points that um, was really shocking that had not been disclosed up front was that due to my 15-year-old conviction, in order to take on the equity investment, I would have to sell all of my equity and leave the business. Right? So 15-year-old conviction. So how old were you when you got that conviction? 17. And how old are you at the time you're receiving this term sheet? That 35. Uh, yeah, I, I would be uh, terrified if my, my 35-year-old uh, lawyer self had to reckon with what my knucklehead 17-year-old self uh, had done from a decision-making standpoint. You know, it, it's uh, like I said earlier, you know, for those of us with convictions, we we deal with a lot of ongoing trauma, right? And when we talk about mental health and wellness, and I know that's something that you're obviously a, a huge proponent of in your career, um, you know, th there's, there's nothing quite re-traumatizing like having to you know go through things like that so yeah and well the 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 shocking piece of that not i want to i want you to get the rest of the story uh, uh share the rest of the story the shocking piece of it is like you at 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 35 like successfully founding and scaling this company and getting it to a point where it's venture backable that is exactly what we want from uh, members who of our society who have had, you know, uh, 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 you know, 
problems in uh, in the past, who have who have been have to deal with criminal justice uh, issues in the past, who who have dealt with crime in the past. Like we want that that form of rehabilitation. We should all be cheering for those individuals to win. And so when you talk about these forty four thousand barriers, or or even in entrepreneurship, and even having proved yourself at, at multiple companies at this point to have those barriers creep up again is just so uh, counterproductive and, and nonsensical. Uh, but yeah. And there's more of us out there, you know, yeah. who are, you know, would love to, to be able to raise venture capital. I, you know, I successfully was able to close that series a round um, and ended up working with a group who, you know, believed in my business partner and I, and, you know, but at a certain point, uh, you know, the, the decision was made that it would be best for me to move on, right? Even after we closed uh, that first $10 million round, uh, you know, a year later or so. And so, you know, having to leave my baby, right? Having to walk away from the company that, you know, from the laptop and kitchen table I'm sitting at now, you know, started from nothing, Um you know, was was certainly one of the most professionally challenging things I've ever gone through. Um, you know, and, and and in a lot of ways, it was devastating, right? Um, and so, you know, I, the the nice thing is, I was in a place where I had some liquidity, and you know, was able to retain the majority of my equity. And although it was difficult to kind of say goodbye on their journey, um, you know, it, it left me in a position where I was able to think about what I wanted to do next. I'd only ever been an entrepreneur, right? I, I, I've never, uh, you know, found a lot of success in the employment space. And, you know, I'm bound to be an entrepreneur anyway. So, you know, I just started to look at the data and it became very overwhelming very quickly because I thought about, boy, if, with it, if I have every advantage, right? Like if this is what life is like for me, I can't imagine what life is like for others, and you know the, the the research became very overwhelming very quickly. Um, Seventy million with uh, a, some sort of a criminal conviction on their record in the U.S. That's equal to the number of people in this country with a college degree. So there's a lot of cultural and institutional norms that will count people out automatically because of their background, which already is counting out you know a huge percentage of the population from being able to access the economy in a meaningful way. Um, you know, 20 million with a felony conviction. One in three black men in America has a felony conviction on their record. Unemployment rates with those with convictions, uh, you know, felony convictions is equal to depression era unemployment. And even worse for women of color, it's oftentimes in the low 40%, um, you know, when it comes to unemployment. And so, you know, when for me, I, I thought about my own journey, um, you know, I'd, I'd always been in the business of serving others um, and, and giving back. And and so it, it only made sense to, you know, think about where was the place where I felt I could add the most value. And for me as an entrepreneur, being able to meaningfully access finances, you know, being able to think and plan my life five, 10, 15 years out, even one year out, six months out from a financial standpoint, um, was always, you know, something where I was looking at or having to jump through hoops, right? And so, you know, from that, from, you know, the, the justice community and from the system was born this solution, you know, which today uh, we're very proud um, is today the only financial technology company that is built for and by the justice impacted community. 
And I'll leave you with this, which is that, you know, today, 68% of formerly incarcerated individuals don't have a bank account within the first three years. 70% of formerly incarcerated individuals say they want an account, but 87% have never even tried to set up an account. Today, there exists more payday loan facilities and check cashing facilities. The number is 36,417. There's more of those facilities than there are McDonald's and Starbucks combined, which is only 18,898. So, you know, it's 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 all designed systemically um, to, to kind of keep people in a certain place. And that's the definition of uplifting, right? We, we so, want to provide that solution. Yeah, so so that that is uh, that's so powerful in in such um, yeah such such a a, a phoenix story, right? Just just such a phoenix. What what though gives you hope that what you're doing? Because I mean, you don't you don't set out to do something like this unless there's some belief that it can have an impact. What gives you hope that what you're doing now has the potential to affect the change that you wanna affect? Sure, um, you know, for, for us, if, if all we did was solve for the lowest common denominator, which is to allow our community to bank in a way that is trustworthy, protected, you know, and, and they don't have to check, uh, cash their checks, that saves the average individual $800 a year. And, you know, they're out of the 65 million and, you know, that, that have, or 70 million with a, with a background, 20 million with a felony conviction. If we could just get 500,000 people not cashing their check, that puts $400 million a year back into the community of those, you know, that we want to serve. And so, you know, the numbers become staggering very quickly. That is staggering. So, because so I, I, I want to, I want to do that math again. So, of the seventy thousand, if you get or seventy million of the seventy million, sixty-five, seventy million, uh, if you get five hundred thousand banked, that is a four hundred million dollar sort of return of capital to those individuals who are underbanked. Absolutely, and. You know, and, and that's just on check cashing fees. If you start to include things like carrying costs to have a checking account, which may be as little as $25 a year, or some of the basic fees that are associated, right, with, with some of the larger institutions, um, the number becomes much bigger, uh, quicker. And, you know, that's before, you know, we, uh, what we'd like to do is build the community and then in a meaningful way, be able to help them re-enter into the credit markets because, you know, oftentimes our community struggles with some of the most basic things that um, average everyday people may take for granted. As an example, uh, a, a credit check is required to get an iPhone, right? So, you know, imagine not being able to have a phone that can meaningfully, you know, like keep up with technology and just access things in a meaningful way because, you know, you spent some time incarcerated, your account went negative, uh, maybe somebody stole your identity while you were inside, your credit is in a bad place. And so it starts small and small things can add up like, you know, what we were just talking about with the check cashing fees. But, you know, there are many more ways. That's just one example. And, and so I, I want to rewind a, a little bit because one of the things that I'm hoping to do with these conversations is leave 
people with uh, sort of, you know, I think of Hansel and Gretel dropping the crumbs along the trail, like, like leave people with some nuggets that, uh, or, or some clues about how to go from the place where you, that despondent place where you were when you were essentially cut out of a company that you founded to the place where you are now, where you're feeling really connected with, with a mission. And one of the things that you mentioned was you always uh, had these kind of entrepreneurial capabilities within you and, and it made sense to move from that place. Can you talk about like why or how you move from there? There's this this concept of uh, of stretching versus chasing, and chasing is this this notion that we need more resources or more people or 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 capacity that we don't have in order to affect change. But what you did was really uh, had this stretchers mentality where you said like, "This is what I do well. I'm an entrepreneur. I have this kitchen table." Like, how did you go about? thinking that what you had right in front of you was enough to start acting on this problem. Sure. Um, well, you know, obviously the, the confidence and, and belief comes from within. And, you know, that's something that, you know, I, I think um, there are so many of us who have been told that our assets are actually liabilities, right? Mm. And, you know, oftentimes it's the the, the person who, whether they're from the streets or, you know, the school of hard knocks or, you know, even from like myself, right? There's tons of us out there from, you know, those Ivy League ranks who, you know, had a few bad moments, right, in our lives that have come to define us. Uh, whatever that is, um, that entrepreneurial spirit, that hustle, that ability to, you know, whether it's have great sales abilities or negotiation skills or, you know, um, uh, scaling skills, right? Like th there are so many things that oftentimes people just are putting their energy into the wrong buckets. And, you know, when they move that energy into game-changing ideas, they can truly change the game, oftentimes in similar ways that they may be doing in uh, previously nefarious ways. So, you know, I think that you, uh, th that's one part of it, right? Like that that inner confidence. The other is, as I mentioned, immediately when I was in the thick of it, right, I had great people around me um, who, you know, showed that support. And so that's why I truly believe in, you know, the impact investing space and, and what you do at Uplifting Capital. I mean, you've shown at Uplifting Capital how easy it is to um, support people who need that type of support and belief from you know, others and, and uh, when they maybe have not gotten that themselves or from their inner circle, um, oftentimes it comes from the outside and you've done such a good job of that. Um, and you've also shown, and I think the impacting investing community as a whole have shown that there are good financial returns to be had when creating positive and social and environmental impact, you know, and, and so when we think about the solutions why fresh has struck such a chord with our community is because we lived those problems so who, who best to solve it right than investing in the people who are closest to the problems that we want to solve uh, like that could be mic drop right there <laughs> I, I just i i uh, appreciate the 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 kind words but yeah i i, I think you are absolutely uh, changing the game with with what you're doing and and so I, I guess from here, I, I would I would ask about 
you know, we, we have these, uh, what we call micro acts of courage or, or um, you know, 1% changes um, um, that we try to offer as on-ramps to people who feel passionate about an issue like um, improving uh, the outcomes for the justice impacted or could be climate, could be, could be financial inclusion. Uh, what are what are some some things that people listening, whether they're uh, investors or financial advisors or or just everyday people, uh, what are some things that they could do today um, to contribute to um, to the uplifting of any set any aspect of, of this issue that you're describing here? Yeah, I mean, I I think when I think about it, um, you know. Uh, what makes industries ripe for disruption, whether it's, you know, as we think about it in a normal sense of investing, is there's some dissatisfaction in the status quo. We want change. And so, you know, I think that there are uh, many of the advances that we've seen have been in improving people's lives through technology, right, or 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 making life easier in some way uh, and figuring out a better way to do things. I think that every person that is, you know, existing today, certainly in the United States, can find at least one thing that they believe is unjust, right? It's just not right how we do things. And, you know, oftentimes when people get together and think of how can we do this better, that's where the best, you know, ideas, innovation, businesses come from. And oftentimes with that, you know, financial rewards and returns. So, you know, anyone out there can be an uplifter. Anyone out there can, you know, also uh, really think about it from an investability standpoint. So I would think about, you know, what are the things that give you the most heartburn about the way that our society is? Start local, believe in someone's story um, and, and find something that you're really passionate about that you believe by solving for this it'll make the world a better place. It'll impact lives, but obviously there's a business behind it as well. Well, I certainly believe in, in your story, Danny, and, and believe in where, where fresh is going and, and deeply appreciate you taking some time uh, to, to share here. Uh, last thing I will ask uh, is, and, and you've, you have kind of a cheat sheet for, for this one. Cause I asked you this question at the dinner, but what does uplifting mean to you? Sure. Yeah, you know, and, and I really wanted to put some thought into this before, you know, you asked me again, but um, I think about, you know, this time I, I want to approach it from the way that my life was uplifted, right? And so that was from other people creating access, providing equity and inclusion, and, you know, making sure that they were giving back with intention. And, you know, they had a lot of belief in me. So, you know, when you can pass that on to another, you, in essence, will uplift that person. But it's access, it's equity, it's inclusion, you know, and uh, it's it's uh, equality. Deeply appreciate you, man, and, and, and keep doing the work. Hey, thank you so much. This was a pleasure. And uh, yeah, you, you are truly the one who is doing great work. So, you know, uh, thank you. Thanks, Danny. Please be sure to subscribe, like, and click the notification button so you never miss an episode.